happening, my fellow women's football fans? Welcome to another episode of the Women's Soccer Slash Football Podcast. I'm Bryce, and I am the host of this podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. The United States Women's National Team have won the She Believes Cup for 2021, becoming the first team in the tournament's history to win back-to-back titles. So good on them for that. But of course, there's other things going on around the world as well. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. If you like what you're hearing and seeing, and if you want to keep up with all the content that we've got going on, feel free to hit the the, uh, subscribe button, like, comment, do whatever you got to do. We're also on TikTok, Instagram, and a ton of other platforms that I'll link down in the description below for your viewing pleasure. But don't want to keep you guys waiting any longer. Again, welcome to another episode. We're currently filming this on Saturday, February 27th, just a few days after the She Believes Cup is ending and coming to a close and then also the international break is ending which means the league play is going to end up picking back up pretty soon here in fact it's going to be picking up tomorrow again when the fawsl starts back up again there's three games that are going to go on but we'll get into all that in just a little while so with all the introductions down and out of the way guys let's start getting into our first segments um, first, before I get into those, I want to set the scene a little bit. Like I said, this is being filmed on Saturday, February 27th at approximately 4.04 p.m. Central Time. It's a heat wave in the Midwest right now. It's about 40 degrees. All the snow is melting, thank goodness. I'm standing for this podcast episode because it's much more comfortable than sitting awkwardly. That got painful after a while. Down to my right, I have this wonderful mug with me again today. This is my fourth cup of cocoa on the day. Get on it, right? It's coffee is a hug and a mug again. I was going to use my Rick and Morty mug today, but for some reason, this was a little bit closer by. So here we are, toodaloo. That's wonderful. That's really good. Uh, I got to put something on this wall behind me to make it a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, but that's neither here nor there. So with the setting the scene down and out of the way, for those of you who are listening on audio, let's get into the first segment, which is going to be just some scores and news from around the world. We'll start off with a score. First, the Netherlands took on Germany on the 24th of February. The Netherlands won by a scoreline of two to Germany's one. Who scored for the Netherlands? Jackie Gronin scored in the 16th minute and Danielle Vandedonk scored in the 60th minute, so later on in the second half. And then on the opposite side of the ball for Germany, Laura Freigang scored just before the halftime break in the 44th minute. So the Netherlands won that particular match. I don't know if you guys are surprised or not. Uh, Germany was second in the FIFA World Rankings while Netherlands was fourth. So on the surface, it's actually a pretty interesting result. At least I think it is in my mind. According to my friends in the Discord chat, uh, that's the first time that the Netherlands have beat Germany in like 20 years or something crazy like that. So wild times, right? Um, Some other news from around the world. It would seem as though I've been hearing some Twitter chatter that Sacramento is no longer uh, doing their MLS expansion team for 2023. Don't really know if that means anything for the Sacramento NWSL uh, expansion team that's going to be coming, but I guess time will tell, so just keep your eyes peeled for that. And as well, it looks like the the USSF, which is the U.S. Soccer Federation, has picked out a few more players to be added to their allocated list, which means that the U.S. Soccer will pay their contracts rather than their NWSL teams. It looks like Lynn Williams, Sophia Smith, and a few other players have been included on that list, which means hopefully they'll be getting paid more money, which would be cool, right? So, um... Check out Jeff Kasouf and Meg Linehan's Twitter pages for more full in-depth coverage on that, but that's where to go if you're curious. So guys, just catching you up on a little bit more news from 
new from the world of women's soccer. Are there any other news tidbits I missed? Feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know. That brings us into our second segment, which is going to be the She Believes Cup final standings and results. Sadly, the She Believes Cup has come to a close. Teardrop. I know. I'm really bummed, too, because it was really exciting to see the U.S. Women's National Team back in action in tournament play again. It's been a long time since that happened with the pandemic going on and everything, and who knows what's going to go on for the Tokyo Olympics this summer. Cross my fingers that hopefully they'll be able to get it done and safely as well. But in case you haven't been able to keep up on the She Believes Cup matches, here are all the results from the entire tournament, starting with match day one. Brazil beat Argentina by a scoreline of four to one. I can't remember who all scored for that, and I totally forgot to write it down besides Martin Dabinia. Two other players scored besides that, but that's a knock on me. Sorry about that, guys. Moving on to the second match of that day, we had the United States taking on Canada. The United States bested Canada by a scoreline of 1-0. Roosevelt came to the rescue in the 79th minute off of a set piece that bounced off of Lindsey Horan and dropped to Rose, who finished it with grace. Moving on to match day two, the United States bested Brazil by a scoreline of 2-0 as well. Uh, Kristen Press scored early on in the 11th minute, while Megan Rapinoe finished it off in the 88th minute with a nice celebration as an ode to Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger and their newborn Sloane Phillips Harris Krieger as she got in front of the camera and started rocking her arms back and forth like this. Check it out on YouTube. Really cool stuff. The second match of that day was Canada and Argentina. Canada bested Argentina by a scoreline of 1-0. None other than Sarah Strategas, Strategakis. I'm going to butcher that name like a million times. I feel like I already have a lot, so forgive me if I have, but Sarah Strategakis scored her first international goal for Canada to win this one in stoppage time. That's right. She scored it in the 92nd minute to win it over Argentina. So what a game that was. Really interesting result, too, considering how well Canada played against the U.S. I thought they were going to crush Argentina that next game, but hey, that's football, right? Moving on to match day three, which is the final match day that took place on Wednesday. Uh, Brazil took on Canada and beat them by a scoreline of 2-0. None other than Dabinia and Julie Bianchi scored for Brazil to secure the second place spot. Then the United States took on Argentina and bested them by a scoreline of 6-0. This game was not even close. So it was it was good for you, some of the national team fans, but for Argentina fans, not so much. Megan Rapinoe had a brace. Carly Lloyd got on the scoreboard as well as, well as with an assist. Alex Morgan scored her first goal for 2021 since she returned from her pregnancy. Kristen Press and Christy Mewis scored as well. So a whole ton of players got onto the score sheet and also on the assist sheet that game. And it was a ton of fun to watch as a U.S. fan. But how did the table end up figuring out by the time the tournament was all said and done? The United States took home the gold and won the tournament for the second year in a row. They're the first team in She Believes Cup history to do so. They won all three games and did not concede a goal. They had nine goals that they scored while conceding none. In second place, we had Brazil, who won two games and lost one. They finished with six points, positive goal difference of three. Then in third place, we had Canada, who won one match and lost two. They had a goal difference of minus two. And then in last, Argentina, who lost all three games, unfortunately, had a goal difference of minus ten. So... Um, what are some awards from the tournament and my overall thoughts? Roosevelt came out as MVP of the tournament and the United States, like I said earlier, came out as champions. I'm not really too surprised at how the table turned out. In fact, the table turned out exactly like I predicted. The U.S. Um, took the tournament by storm and won it as much as everybody expected. They have been on fire for 2021. They haven't lost yet. Vladko is now 16-0-0 in all of his competitions, which is the best start to a tenure in U.S. history. So there's that as well. Good on Vladko. 
Um, I had a feeling that the U.S. would run into trouble along the way, and they certainly did. They had their rocky bumps, but still, for them to struggle like they did and still give up no goals, that's 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 amazing. <laughs> it, it just shows the standard of how the U.S. is viewed in terms of the women's soccer. So, really good on the U.S. for winning the tournament. Brazil, they performed very well, and they stuck to their DNA. Their DNA, to me, has always been attack, 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 and they did it really well. They scored a lot of goals, and they won a few games. Um, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. They've got, I think, a top 10 player in the world in Davinia, and I would argue Marta's top 20 in the world still, despite that she's getting toward the twilight of her career, but they've got a lot of young talent and a lot of promise in their squad, so I anticipate they're going to start climbing up the FIFA World Rankings in the years to come. Moving on to Canada a little bit, they had some good and some bad. Their, I think their best performance all tournament long, despite that they lost, was against the U.S., they came into this tournament with a ton of injuries. The expectations were pretty low for them, I think, especially when you're losing out on the world's most prolific goal scorer in Christine Sinclair. So I think Canada coped well with that overall. They had a great performance against the U.S. They played, I thought, pretty poorly against Brazil. There were a lot of there were a couple goals that they gave up that they had many opportunities to clear the ball, and they would either not clear or clear toward the center, both of which you should not do as a defender, and they paid the price for it. So um, a bright spot, Stephanie LeBay, I thought, did really well as a keeper, especially since in the first game, Kaylin Sheridan exited really early, I believe it was in the 16th minute against the U.S. with an injury. She came in cold, and she played really well all tournament long, so good on them for that. I think the future is going to be bright for Canada. They're a top 10 team in the world as of right now, according to the FIFA rankings, and I think they'll get better and better. They're a young squad. Um, for them, it was just a lot of injuries this tournament, which happens, especially when you're coming off a really long spell of not playing a ton of matches. And then last but not least, Argentina. They did not have a good tournament. They lost all three matches. I don't think they... Did they score a goal? They scored one goal all tournament, unfortunately. That's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. I don't think it's as much of an issue as with the playing pool talent that they have in Argentina as I think it is with their federation. Their federation has had a lot of problems with their players. Some of Argentina's best players have refused to represent the country because of the federation. And they just, that's just, they, 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 there's just so much more that they could do and that's just not happening. So I'm not surprised that they took last, but it's good that they got some games under the belt considering they haven't met, met much as a team over the last uh, 18 months. So that about does it for all the She Believes Cup uh, recap, guys. What did you think of the tournament? Were you surprised at any of the results? Feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know what you thought about it. Moving into the third and final segment before we get into our main topics today, my favorite segment, the moment of silence. This is the segment in which I like to dedicate just a couple seconds to anything in the world of women's football that I think is the most noteworthy, but you guys can choose anything you'd like to dedicate this moment of silence to for this week. I will be dedicating my moment of silence to the Osons national team for becoming the first team in the She Believes Cup tournament history to win back-to-back -back titles. So on the count of three, let me grab my mug. Feel free to join me in the moment of silence. One, two, three. Salute. All right, guys. Who did you choose to dedicate your moment of silence for? Feel free to let me know down in the comments below if you'd like. All right, guys, so that about does it for all of our segments for today's episode. With all those down out of the way, let's dive a little bit deeper into our main topics. For those of you who are newer to the show, I like to get into the back half of the show by just analyzing some of the larger global scale things going on in the world of women's soccer and just take a deep analysis and deep dive and talk about it a little bit more. So, for our first main topic today, it is going to be the U.S. Women's National Team versus Argentina post-match analysis, reaction, and breakdown. 
Um, the United States, like I said earlier, best their Argentina by a scoreline of 6-0. Here were all of the highlights. Starting off in the 16th minute, Roosevelt sent a nice lofted ball to Megan Rapino down the center of the pitch. Megan Rapino slotted it home to the lower right corner of the net with her left foot. Excellent finish. Fast forward just 10 minutes later, Megan Rapino is going to score again. This time, Kristen Press is going to send a ball to the right side of the penalty area to Carly Lloyd. Carly Lloyd is going to set Megan up beautifully for an easy finish down the center of the pitch. Carly Lloyd's been doing that really well lately, setting up her teammates quite nicely. So good to see that play from her. Fast forward just 10 minutes later to the 35th minute. Rapino glides down the left-hand side of the pitch, sends in a grounded cross to Carly Lloyd, who finishes on the left side of the net. I've been waiting so long for Carly Lloyd to finish a goal because she's had a ton of chances, and I was really rooting for her to score in this game, so glad that she did. Moving on just five minutes later, U.S. is going to score their fourth goal of the match. Casey Kruger is going to give the ball to Christy Mewis just outside the penalty area. Christy Mewis is going to pull a very nice move to get free from the defender and finish with her left foot to the left side of the net with another goal. So Christy Mewis has been on fire for the U.S. Women's National Team. It's been really cool to see. These last 18 months have certainly belonged to her and her family because her and her sister are tearing it up in the world of woe. So, so good on them for that. Now go all the way to the later parts of the second half. In the 84th minute, Sophia Smith is going to send a grounded through ball through the Argentine defensive line to Alex Morgan, who's going to shoot it with her left foot into the back of the net from just outside the penalty area to score her first goal in 2021. So super pumped that Alex Morgan scored a goal. Hopefully there will be many more to come. And lastly, to finish off the game, in the 88th minute, a corner from Christy Mewis was sent in. Lindsay Horan got her head to it from the left-hand side of the goal. She heads it back to Kristen Press, who's waiting on the right-hand side of the goal, and she heads it in with an easy finish. So Kristen Press scores again in this one, making it two out of three games where she scored in the She Believes Cup. I believe Kristen Press has scored in the 10 of the last 18 U.S. Women's National Team matches, so she's been lighting it up. I could be mistaken. It could be 10 of the last 13. Yeah, I think it's 10, 10 goals in the last 13 matches for the U.S., so Kristen Press, we salute you for that. What were my overall thoughts of the match? I'm not really surprised that this match turned out the way it did. I thought the scoreline was going to be a little bit lower considering the form that the U.S. exhibited in the previous two games. But then again, they were playing against Argentina, who's overall really young and experienced squad with really tired legs. They just had to have a dogfight with... Uh, quote unquote, I, I guess I, I'm trying to remember what those types of matches are called, but they had a really hard fought match against Canada and Brazil before that. So by the end of the tournament, they were just gassed. So I'm not surprised that the U.S. took advantage of that. And the U.S. just kept getting better as the tournament went on. And they're a really deep team, as we all know. So no big surprises there. This looked a lot like the matches against Colombia. The U.S. had possession, I believe, at minimum 65% of the time. And I don't think Argentina had a shot on goal. So the U.S. played really, really, really well. And Argentina did not. And that just about sums up the match. Um, some really interesting things I know is tactically for the U.S. It seems as though that the central midfielders meeting Christy Mewis and Roosevelt much more uh, triggered the high press in this game rather than the wingers. It seems as though that those two, Christy, Christy Mewis and Roosevelt, would go up higher for the press while Megan Rapinoe and Kristen Press would sit a little bit lower in the high press. And also I noticed that Rose and Christy would make more attacking runs up the center and out wide too while the wingers kind of uh, cut in a little bit. So there's just something interesting tactically that I noticed. I don't know if Vladko likes to do that sort of attacking 
mentality when teams sit off of them because Brazil and Argentina both sat off of the U.S. and they employed that tactic. But when Canada was playing U.S. very, very tightly, it was usually the right backs would cut inside while the wingers would play up higher. So just something to keep in mind as games go on. Uh, for the U.S. overall, what went really for, well for them? everything <laughs> basically uh they dominated the entire game they pretty much had the ball game they really had to defend they were very very patient i noticed too in their build-up which they hadn't been very much so in the past two games they made a lot more of their chances this time around and it was really good to see them improve on the previous two games on the flip side of the corner argentina what went well for them honestly i i feel bad for saying this but almost nothing they they never had the ball so i mean they couldn't really do anything um what didn't go so well, since they barely had the ball, they were getting dominated in the midfield. They were getting reckless with the yellow cards. You could really tell that they were getting frustrated as the game went on. They were dangerously following, I would argue, a lot of U.S. players. I believe they had three or four yellow cards at minimum, maybe even one more than that. But it, it as a U.S. fan, it just sucks because it's like, okay, I get that these younger teams that aren't performing very well get frustrated. But when they're tossing around other opponents recklessly, it's like, you're going to get somebody hurt. And I think it's the referee's job to step in and handle that a little bit better. And I don't think the referees in the last few games have done that very well. That could be me just speaking as a biased U.S. fan. But if you guys feel differently, feel free to let me know down in the comments, of course. Um, what was the lineup for the United States for this game? So starting in goal, we had Jane Campbell. And right back, we had Kelly O'Hara. She was limited to 30 minutes because of a knock she picked up leading up to the very first game of the tournament. Playing alongside Kelly was Becky Sauerbrunn, Captain America herself. Playing alongside Becky was Tierna Davidson. Really cool to see her get the start. I think she is the future in the central defense for the U.S. In left back, we had Casey Kruger, who played extremely well. She's been killing it, and I think she's made the most of her minutes in this tournament. Starting and holding midfield was Julie Ertz. And then playing alongside to her right in central midfield was Rose Lavelle. Playing on the other side of the midfield was Christy Mewis on the left central midfield side. Then moving up to the forward line, on the left wing, we had Megan Rapino. In the forward striking position, we had Carly Lloyd, and then Kristen Press played on the right wing. There were a few subs made in this game. There was Mitch Purse, Emily Sonnet, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, Lindsey Horan, and Jaylene Howell. They all made it onto the pitch in this one. Uh, some overall thoughts on the lineup in general. I was not going to lie, I was kind of bummed to see Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd start up top. I think that Alex Morgan and Kristen Press had a really interesting dynamic with Kristen Press on the left wing and Alex in the striking position. And it made things really interesting, too, with Crystal Dunn and Kristen Press on the left. I think that could be a really dangerous duo for just about any team for the U.S. So I was really hoping to see more of that this game. But considering that they were playing against Argentina, which was probably the weakest competition of the tournament, I'm not surprised Vladko shook that up a little bit more. And plus, he didn't even really start Crystal Dunn on the left anyway, but... I guess I would argue Casey and Kristen probably could have done something similar to what uh, her and Crystal did. So who knows? I'm just really pumped that Casey Kruger got a lot more minutes in this game yet again. So she she played great. Her and Crystal Dunn both had a phenomenal tournament. Uh, Jaylene Howell also kind of impressed me too a little bit. Her getting subbed in for Julie Ertz. I was really hoping Julie Ertz was going to get a breath this game. I wouldn't have been surprised if Vlako started Jaylene Howell over Julie Ertz because it seems as though Julie and Abby Dahlkemper have been playing like every minute for the U.S. for the past forever. And same with Crystal Dunn too, so I'm kind of glad that she actually got a break this game. Although selfishly, I would have liked, like I said earlier, I would have liked to have seen her and Kristen partner on the left this game. I get why she didn't start because I think she needed a breather. She's been playing like crazy lately. 
But um, let's get into some individual performances as well. How do I feel about everybody's performances? Let's start off with going back to front, starting with Jane Campbell in the goalkeeping position. Jane Campbell, well, she got a clean sheet. <laughs> I got to give her that. I know she probably didn't have to face too many shots, but still, I thought she played pretty well. She did a really good job of grabbing balls that were really loose, maybe some Argentine balls that were sent a little bit too long. And there's that, you know, there's that potential of, ooh, should I go grab it? Should I let the attacker get him? Am I going to get there in time? She had really good judgment in that particular asset of her game. And I think she coped well with that. She was, uh, she had good distribution from the back line. Um, she didn't have to do too much. So I can't say that she really did anything bad this game. So good on you, Jane Campbell. Uh, starting with, Ke then moving on to the right back position, Kelly O'Hara. I thought Kelly was excellent all around. Uh, Kelly is really strong, especially in attack. She's a great defender too. She's got bone crunching tackles as we've all seen and know, but, um, for her playing 30 minutes, she made the most of them. She was great on offense. She had some good maneuverability on the wing to break free and also some excellent service into the center. She didn't really have to defend too much. And see, she had some really good link up play with Rose, but, oh, excuse me. Um, I thought she did great. She made the most of her 30 minutes. I can't say anything bad about her performance. Moving on to Becky Sauerbrunn, can't really say a ton bad about Becky either because she rarely had to do anything. The back line literally just pretty much passed to the forward line all game long. She had some good passes and she had some good defending. The only slight nitpick I can say about Becky is some of her long balls were a little low, a little too short. And I think that's been a pretty common thing amongst the center defenders for the last few games. So, I mean, it's par for the course, but if I had to pick out one bad part of Becky's game, that was really it, and that's a nitpick. Uh, moving on to Tierna Davidson. Tierna Davidson, I thought, had a really good game. She passed really, really well. She even got in a little time on the left-back position. Her and Emily Sonnet switched for just a couple minutes, and I believe that that's not too foreign to Tierna Davidson. She got some time in the left-back position in the World Cup in 2019, and she had a service in it, and she played really well in the few minutes that she did there, so good on her for that. Um, excellent to get service and had the clearances when she needed to, which wasn't very often. Moving on to the right-back position, Casey Kruger, another outstanding performance from her again. It's amazing to me that she, she I believe she's publicly said in interviews, like, I think my time with this team is done. Just kidding. She comes back. She plays really, really well in every game, every minute that she participates in. She passes well. She defends well. She wins one-on-ones. I mean, she's getting hammered around by Argentina and still kicking their butt. So she she played absolutely phenomenal. Her performance this entire tournament should not go unnoticed. Moving on to the midfield, Julie Ertz. Julie Ertz, this game, was the master of the aerial battle. She won every header that came her way. There were times when she'd win headers against two or three Argentine players. It was honestly impressive. I remember in the 22nd minute, I think it was, she was standing literally between an Argentine player at her front and had her back, and she still won the aerial battle. I, I was I was like, wow, she's just winning everything in the air today. Um, having said that, can't really say too much bad about her performance. Moving on to Rose Lavelle, she controlled the midfield yet again this game. She was involved in pretty much everything. Excellent passing, excellent link up with Kelly O'Hara. She had an assist this game. She had some excellent crossing. She, for her, it was business as usual, and obviously she got the attention of the MVP committee because she won it, so great performance by her yet again. Uh, moving on to Christy Mewis, she had a really nice move for her goal. She had, she received the ball from Casey Kruger. I'm trying to describe this as accurately as I can in words. She sort of feigned right and made a move left. You'll have to watch it on, on YouTube to really get the full effect of it, but 
and just just know she had a really good move and she scored and she she did it again i think she scored like what three goals in her last six matches with the u.s if i'm not mistaken she's She's killing it. She's making the most of her time. It's really good to see. Uh, on top of that, she had some really good balls to the center. She had an assist to Carly Lloyd. She has had a really good knack of getting into dangerous attacking areas as well. I think this is one area of the U.S.'s center mids that they excel in really, really well, is just getting into those dangerous areas, especially to receive crosses from all over the pitch. They do really, really well at that. If you watch Lindsay Horan, she does the same thing. Moving on to the forward line in terms of performance, Megan Rapino, she did very well this game to get the brace. I didn't think she had a great performance last game, but this game she uh, turned it around and did really well. She scored three goals in two games, and I'd say she scored three goals in like 30 minutes played. So it was like, wow, she was very, very efficient. Um, she had a good assist to Carly Lloyd. She had some really intelligent passing going on. It was like laser guided passing. I thought it was excellent. And she facilitated attacking play. She showed that um she can she still got it and she's still one of the world's best wingers so good on Megan Rapinoe for that moving on to Carly Lloyd she had a good goal and some intelligent assists this game uh she's been doing this really awesome job of having intelligent passing and play where she'll have an opportunity on goal but if she knows that her uh teammate has an even better chance of scoring she will feed it off to them she's done that the, like the last two or three games and it's something that you, you can tell that Carly, since she's getting a little bit up there in age and t getting to the twilight of her career, she's getting smarter and smarter. And plus, two, she's probably the most fit player on the team. Vladko said it himself. She is everywhere on the pitch, and I mean everywhere. She's getting involved in the high press. She never gets tired. It's amazing to watch. So I thought she played excellent, and I thought she played her role very, very well this game. Moving on to Kristen Press, she had a good goal. She had some good passing. I don't think she really stood out this game. That's the only criticism I can really think of for Kristen Press. She didn't make the most of her chances, and I would argue she really hasn't in the last couple games. She's still been scoring. She's still been assisting, yes, but she could score even more if she just made the most of her chances. The U.S. had some trouble with that last game as well, and I think it carried over for her, but not for the rest of the squad for the most part. But hey, that happens. It's football. Uh, moving on to some of the subs' performances, Sophia Smith, uh, she got she got the assist to Alex Morgan, so that was really exciting. She had some good crosses in, she had some good footwork in some really tight areas. However, I still don't think Sophia Smith really played all that well. She had some poor crosses, she had some bad passing. I know I just said she had some decent ones, but if I'm being honest, a lot of her crosses were not, half of them were decent, half of them were not so great. So, I mean, it kind of cancels out. It's a little inconsistent, I guess would be the best way for me to put it um there was a couple sequences where i know she would hang on to the ball in the final third for too long there was one pass in particular i believe that came from lindsey haran it was a ground pass and she would have been better serviced by just shooting it right away instead she tried making a move and when you're trying to make a move when you're eight yards away from goal and there's four defenders around you that's not necessarily a good idea you should just get the shot off and hopefully one of your teammates will get the rebound but bit of a nitpick just one guy's opinion uh, moving on to Lindsay Horan, not really too much doing for her. She got an assist. Good enough for me. Uh, Mitch Purse, I, th I thought she did a great job getting the ball up the wing really, really quickly. She's got a knack for that kind of thing. And it makes sense because naturally I think she is a better forward than she is a defender. So she can get the ball up the wing really quickly. She had some really nice moves that, I mean, there's one point where she had so many good moves. She had like two or three moves in a row. And Argentina just said, we're going to full on arm tackle you. And she made them get a yellow, so she's <laughs> she's getting the defender's attention, that's for sure. 
And then lastly, Emily Sonnet, uh, I thought she did okay. She had some nice ball movement in one sequence up the left wing, but the sample size for Emily Sonnet was a little small for me this game. And it also was for uh, Jalen Howell. I will say I thought Jalen Howell, Howell's performance overall was really uh, solid. I think she held her own in the midfield. And it was really, it was kind of cool to like watch her play, watch somebody else play in that holding midfield position besides Julie Ertz. And I thought Jalen Howell did really well with it for not having too many caps under her belt. So good on her for that. And overall, guys, I guess I would say the U.S. performance in this tournament it was great. They won the tournament. They didn't give up a shot on goal. Or they didn't give up a goal, I should say. They definitely gave up shots on goal to Brazil. But they did well this tournament. They won it. They did what they had to do. And Vlaco 16-0-0. So hopefully good things will be coming for the friendlies before the Tokyo Olympics. Hopefully the Tokyo Olympics will happen. And we'll see how it goes from there. So, guys, that is my final post-match reaction for the She Believes Cup tournament. What did you think of the U.S. Women's National Team and Argentina match? Feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know what you thought about it. All right, guys. So, with the first main topic down and out of the way, let's get into the second main topic for this podcast episode, which is going to be Rose Lavelle winning the MVP award for the She Believes Cup. So, as you guys know, she won the MVP award. It got announced. She went up to the podium, she received the trophy, gave a little awkward smile. I can't imitate it because only Rose can do that kind of thing. But then she she looked really uncomfortable getting this award. And she very humbly said in an interview after the match that there she, she had no idea how she really won the award. She thought there were a lot better uh, options out there, which one good on Rose for being humble. It's just, I don't know, it's really... The one thing I really love about women's soccer in general is all the players are really, or at least most of the players that I've seen in interviews seem really, really relatable and really humble and just good role models overall. And this just kind of supports that. And um, I will say it's like, I, I kind of agree with her when she says there were better options for this uh, MVP award. I'll get into that in just a second. Before I give you my take on who should have won MVP, because I don't think it should have been Rose, let me just give you all the names who are on the panel. So first, we had Jean Baklowski, who was the committee chair. Jean is the St. Kitts and Nevis women's national team head coach. I don't really know much about the team in general, so if any of you know, that's the team's name. Uh, also the technical director for South Texas Youth Soccer Association, the U.S. Soccer Federation instructor. For coaching licenses as well. Then there was Nicole Barnhart, the former U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper. Uh, Kara Lang Romero, who is a former Canadian striker, if I am not mistaken. Rosanna from Brazil. She is one of the former Brazil national team players, one of the world, one of the former world's best. And then there was Diego Ternes of Argentina, who is an Argentine Soccer Association advisor and also operates in other administrative capacities for Argentine professional soccer. Uh, and there's also a fan vote component of it. I'm not sure how much of a component or how big of a role that the fan vote was in the MVP award. All I know is, is that it was part of the voting process. I couldn't find it on the U.S. Soccer's website. So, I mean, I don't know if it counts as a committee vote. I don't know if the committee just it looks at it and says, okay, whatever. Because, I mean, when you think about it, there's five committee members you would think it's to prevent a tie, which would make sense. So by introducing a six committee member and a fan vote, it's like that would totally compromise that and give it a tie. I don't know if the committee chair's uh, vote would just override it in that case, but who knows? But my overall take on the MVP award, I'm not saying that Rose was not deserving to win the MVP award. 
I thought Rose played really, really well this tournament. She controlled the midfield and came up big for the U.S. when they needed it most, especially against Canada. If she doesn't score that goal against Canada, it could have been a very different tournament. The U.S. could have drawn. The U.S. could have also drawn the next match against Brazil, and Brazil could have easily won this one. So Rose, I think, was a big part of U.S.'s attack and really facilitated a lot of their play. And the U.S. has proven time and time again that their center midfields are the lifeblood of their squad and because of that it's like I'm not surprised that Rose won it and plus a lot of times with these MVP awards it seems as though that the team that wins it all that's that's usually the usually the player a player from that team ends up winning the MVP award which makes a ton of sense right in the NBA they do that in the finals the finals MVP is obviously the player on the team who won it like that's just kind of how it goes and plus MVP awards are a really tricky thing right because it really depends on how you define most valuable player is the most valuable player the best player that season is it the player in which that if you take them out of the team that it makes the team much worse it, it, it's really ambiguous and it's really up to an individual's opinion on what exactly defines a most valuable player so for this committee the definition could have been different from my definition from your definition it all really depends to me for my particular take to me the most valuable player is the player that when you take them out of the team, it makes the team much worse, and they also help carry their team in such a way. A good example of this, LeBron James in the NBA, for those of you who watch the NBA, he has carried his teams a lot throughout the years, and to me, he probably should have been the most valuable player for like the last decade, but that's a whole another topic of discussion. I'm not here to talk about basketball, although it's a lot of fun to watch, but because of my definition of the MVP award, my pick would have probably been Dabinia. Dabinia to me, and I've said this on the, I think I've alluded to this on the last podcast episode. I think Dabinia is one of the top 15 players in the world. I think she is maybe, I would almost go as far as say she's like top 10 in the world. She has been tearing it up for like the last few years, especially for the courage as well. And for Brazil, she's just been an invaluable resource alongside Marta too. She is crazy in their attack. She tears up defenses. She scores. She assists. She's feeding everybody. In the North Carolina Courage, she's constantly feeding Lynn Williams. Her and Sam Mewis had a really good partnership when Sam Mewis was there. And I think that for this award, I think she got snubbed a little bit. If Brazil ties the U.S. or if Brazil gets into the final or even wins it, obviously Dabini is going to be the MVP. But to me, she just made her team so, so much better this tournament. And on top of it, she was about six inches wide of the post in the first match against Argentina, away from becoming the joint top scorer of the tournament alongside Megan Rapino. If she doesn't miss that first uh, chance against Argentina in that first game, she's got three goals on the tournament. And in addition to that, she would have been tied in second for assist too, or actually she is tied for second assist in the 2021 She Believes Cup. So to me, I think Dabinia would have been the absolute best choice for the MVP award. But then again, like I said, with the way that MVP awards are typically picked, structured, et cetera, and so forth, I'm not surprised that a player from the U.S. won it, and I'm not surprised that Rose Lavelle won it. Having said all of that, if I had to give the MVP award to someone else on the U.S. uh, team, and I don't want this player's performances to go unnoticed because I think they're absolutely outstanding and they're emerging very, very consistently, and they're emerging as some of the best in the world. Crystal Dunn would have been my MVP if I had to pick another U.S. player. Crystal Dunn, this tournament, she she's just amazing, and she excels in just about everywhere on the pitch. I've said this before, and I'll just say it again. I think Crystal Dunn's going to go down as the 
best versatile player in the history of US or in the history of women's soccer in general, bar none. The reason being is because Crystal Dunn can play in an attacking position at a world-class level, and she can play in a defending position at the world-class level. I would go as far as to say that Crystal Dunn is probably the best left back in the world of Woso. She she crushes it every single game. She defends out of her mind. She's got some good moves out of the ball. She wins one-on-one attacks. She's got like five or six crosses to the center of the pitch a game. She creates chances. She even scores once in a while. She does it all, and she did it all again in every minute she played in this tournament. She didn't play against Argentina in the last game, so that lowers the sample size a little bit. But it, 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 I think Crystal Dunn is a little underappreciated and also maybe a little underrated for the U.S., and I wanted to take this time in the podcast to just outline her performances because they're crazy good, and it, it, we're, we're seeing greatness on the pitch in front of us, and I just wanted to bring that to light. But guys, that's just my take on the MVP word for the She Believes Cup. Like I said earlier, to recap it, I would have picked Abinia overall for the tournament. If I had to pick another U.S. player, it would have been Crystal Dunn. Then again, for the committee to say that Roosevelt was the most valuable player, I don't think they're crazy either. So guys, what are your thoughts on the She Believes Cup 2021 MVP award? Do you have any other perspectives that I haven't considered? Feel free to let me know down in the comments below at your leisure. All right, guys, so... That'll do it for the second main topic for this particular podcast episode. Let's get into the third and final main topic of the episode, which is going to be, like I said earlier, since international break is coming to an end, league play is picking back up. So let's do an FAWSL match week preview. So this week's preview is going to be a lot shorter because of the fact that there's only three games coming up this weekend. That kind of makes sense, though, right? Because right now, I think these games are really taking place as uh, makeups. In the last month or so, a lot of games have been postponed due to COVID, due to weather, things like that. And I think these three games are being served as makeups because you'll notice they're like really crammed in toward the end of the international break. A lot of these teams played or a lot of the players who are playing in these games like Arsenal, Manchester City just played on uh, Wednesday or even. uh, Yeah, actually, as late as Wednesday, which is February 24th, if I'm not mistaken. And then they got to travel home and play in a match like four days later. So you can tell these are kind of makeup games because not a full match week for the FAWSL is being played. But nevertheless, what are the games that are going on tomorrow, uh, February 28th? First is going to be Aston Villa and Arsenal. I've got Arsenal winning this one by scoreline of three to Aston Villa's one. I think Aston Villa are in halfway decent form. Their table position has not been good this season. I don't think it'll get much better than where they're at. However... Um, they faced against, uh, Arsenal's faced against really, really tough competition lately. Chelsea, Manchester City, two of the best teams in the league. And when, when you go and play against top, top competition, like those two teams, and then you go play somebody from bottom of the table, it feels a lot lighter, right? It's kind of like when you go and lift a weight that's a hundred pounds, and then you go and pick up a weight that's 15 pounds immediately after it just feels a little bit lighter, right? I think that same logic is going to apply here. Plus a lot of players for Arsenal who have been playing for the Netherlands have been playing well. Daniel Vandedong, Viv Miedema, Jill Roard, the like, they've all been playing well for a country. And now I think they're starting to get back into the swing of their form. And I think that's going to show this game. So that's why I've got Arsenal winning this one by a scoreline of three to one and getting some much needed points. So we'll see how that pans out. The next game going on in that match, in that match day is going to be Birmingham, Birmingham city and Manchester city. Manchester city is going to win by a lot. It's just a matter of how much, if you guys have not watched Manchester city lately, you have not witnessed your domination 
it's kind of impressive how much they've been crushing really, really good teams by they just beat Man United 3-0 like it was nothing. It was like the equivalent of snapping a toothpick in half. And I'm speaking that as a very hurt Manchester United fan, but I'm willing to admit when other teams are just performing crazy well like City is. So I've got Manchester City winning this one by a scoreline of 5 to Birmingham City's nil. Um, mainly for the reason that I don't see Manchester City losing for the rest of the season. Literally, I think they're going to be champions and win it all. And I also think they're going to win the Champions League. That's a whole nother discussion, though. Moving on to the last game of the weekend is going to be Tottenham and Everton. Everton have kind of struggled a little bit recently. They haven't quite found their footing. They've drawn the last two games and they've really needed points. They really, really need a breakthrough this game, I think. And Tottenham is likely going to be a little rusty because they had a match postponed right before the international break. And they haven't played since like the first uh, few days of February. So it's been a long Oh, excuse me, a long while for them. So I've got Everton beating Tottenham by a scoreline of 2-1. to one. So teams are going to get some much-needed points. I think Arsenal and Everton are going to get much-needed points as well as Man City. Man City necessarily doesn't need the points, but however, if they want to win the title, obviously you got to win every game because you're racing Chelsea at this point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that'll do it for the match week preview or the match weekend preview. It's going to be a short one for the FAWSL. What are your score predictions for the matches? If you've got any, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know what you think. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the end of another podcast episode. I just want to say it's an awesome honor and privilege to have you guys here with me again, joining in on the fun and the fandom. If you like what you're hearing, seeing, and you want to listen to this on the go, we also have an audio version for those of you who are watching on YouTube, or for those of you who are listening on audio and want to watch the video version of this, we're on YouTube. I've got it all linked down in the description below for you at your viewing pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Bryce. This has been the Women's Soccer Slash Football Podcast. I hope to see you on our platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and the like, and also in the next podcast episode. Until next time, my friends, have a great day.